0: in the book of 1st Samuel. We started on Mother's Day uh, with 1st Samuel and learned about a mother named Hannah who had uh, was not able to have children and prayed that God would give her a son and she had a little boy named Samuel and God used Samuel in a mighty and powerful way in the nation of Israel. We looked at his life um, on our grad Sunday as a young man God used Samuel in powerful ways and uh, we looked at some of the history of the nation of israel some of the things that they went through um, and and how that really in a time when they were turning their back on god uh, god was still through samuel drawing them and calling them back to himself we read in samuel uh, 4 5 and 6 how uh, the nation of israel went to fight their enemies the philistines and in that fight they lost the ark of the covenant it was the symbol of god's presence we saw that, that they didn't really honor God. They kind of carried this Ark of the Covenant like a good luck charm, like a lucky rabbit's foot. And in so doing, um, they said, oh yeah, God's gonna be with us. They, they weren't following God. They didn't honor God. They didn't love God. They just thought, we'll just, you know, we'll just do this in his name. We'll just put a in Jesus' name at the end of it and everything will be okay. And God taught him uh, that that's not what it means to follow him. They were defeated, and they lost the Ark of the Covenant, but 1 Samuel 6 shows us that the Philistines who captured this Ark, they thought they had really done something, but God began to afflict them with with plagues as, as they thought that they had conquered the God of Israel. And finally, they said, get this thing out of here. They sent it back to Israel, to this town called Beth Shemesh and the people of bethshemesh brought it into their town and they opened the lid up and and god killed 70 of them because they were desecrating the ark of the covenant and so they said get this thing out of here they called another town called jabesh gilead and they said come get the ark and the men of jabesh gilead or i'm sorry Kiriath jerim was the name of the town they came and got the ark and that's where we're going to start today in first samuel chapter 7. And then we're going to look at how Samuel, the prophet, led the nation of Israel. There's a few different applications for us today. There's an application of of how we should conduct our lives in following the Lord. As Samuel leads the nation of Israel, we can we can follow his example and, and we can have a personal application about how we can follow the Lord. There's an application for dads this morning in how we lead our children and our families like Samuel. There's an application for all who lead in any capacity. Um, Some application for us this morning. So um, I just pray that the Spirit would speak to you through His Word uh, this morning and and help you apply God's Word, not just hear it. So why don't you stand up with me? I'm going to read... 1 Samuel chapter 7, the first six verses. Here's what it says, starting in verse 1. So the people of Kiriath-Jerim came for the ark of the Lord and took it to Abinadab's house on the hill. They consecrated his son Eleazar to take care of it. Time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kiriath-Jerim. Then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Samuel told them if you're returning to the Lord with all your heart Get rid of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths that are among you and dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship only him Then he will rescue you from the philistines So the israelites removed the bales and the Ashtoreths and only worshiped the Lord Samuel said gather all israel at mizpah and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf When they had gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence. They fasted that day, and there they confessed. We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. Let me pray. God, use your word today. Speak to us through your word. Encourage us, convict us, challenge us, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks you can have a seat. So here in 1 Samuel chapter seven, we see Samuel leading the nation of Israel. The book uh, that comes before the book of 1 Samuel is the book of Judges. And and the book of Judges describes these leaders who served Israel, they were called Judges. This was a a title of leadership And, and there were different Judges who led. And Samuel was the last judge of the nation of Israel. After Samuel would come the kings, King Saul and King David and King Solomon and other kings who would follow. But Samuel was the last judge of Israel, the last uh, leader of Israel that, that spoke for God in this special and unique way. And we see here at the beginning of 1 Samuel 7, after this time, they had lost to the Philistines, they had lost the Ark of the Covenant, and now they got it back. It says that the people took it, 20 years had passed, and it says that Israel began to long for the Lord. That's such a beautiful description. Because God desires that we would long for him, that we would have a hunger and a thirst for him, that we would desire him, um, that that. Scripture says blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. David speaks in the Psalms He says as a deer pants for streams of water. So my soul longs after you He says I'm I'm like I'm like someone in a dry and desolate land who's longing for water there's this description of a heart that longs for God and so this morning we see that that Samuel led the nation of Israel Uh, to love God with all their heart. This is, the personal application is, is, are you loving God with all your heart? The application for fathers and leaders is that we should teach our children to love the Lord with all their heart. Verse two, time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kiriath Jerim. Then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord, and Samuel told them, If you are returning to God, the Lord, with all your heart, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then get rid of the foreign gods, the asterisks that are among you. Set your hearts on the Lord and worship only him. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. The heart is so important, right? the heart is so important we need to be people who love the Lord with all our heart not just people who are good citizens people who obey the rules people who say now that's a good guy right there I mean being a good guy is not enough we need to be people who love the Lord our God with all of our heart soul mind and strength this is what Samuel is calling the nation of Israel to he says okay Are you just saying that you want to follow God or do you really want to follow God with all your heart? Are are, are you just saying, you know, God bless me or or, or do you really desire for God's presence and power and rule in your life? Samuel calls the people to follow God with all their heart. Deuteronomy 6 is a passage that we read every time we do a baby dedication. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it continues, And teach your children to do the same. Talk about it when you lay down and when you get up, when you walk along the way. Bind it on the doorpost of your house. This idea of of loving God with our whole heart is, is important. Jesus said it's the greatest commandment but we're also to teach our children to do the same and dads fathers the greatest thing we can do is teach our kids to love the lord with their whole heart i mean we could teach them a lot of things right we could teach them how to play catch we could teach them how to putt who won by the way i was not in here for that who's the winner mitch all right congratulations buddy um we can we can teach our kids how to fly a kite we can teach our kids how to build a house we can teach our kids pig latin we can teach our kids all kinds of stuff but the greatest thing that we could do for them is teach them to love the lord we could teach them a great work, work ethic but what we cannot fail to do is teach them to love the lord with all their heart it's the most important thing that we can teach them. And Samuel directed the nation of Israel, if you really desire the Lord with all your heart. Then he gives them this instruction. He says, if if that's real, if that's true, that's good. But there's some stuff you need to get rid of. There's some stuff that you need to let go of. The next principle is this, that fathers, leaders, individuals, we need to be disciplined in the Lord. Fathers, discipline your children in the Lord. Samuel instructs the nation of Israel, there's some things to get rid of. That's what discipline is all about. Discipline is is about getting rid of things that bring harm in our life. Uh, Discipline is, it's not just yelling at somebody. It's not just, you know, I got a pretty good dad snap. Uh, It works most of the time. My kids have begun to build up an immunity to it. But... (laughs) Discipline is not just pointing out error. Discipline is not just criticism. Discipline is, is training your kids in the right way to go. That means, hey, here's some things over here that'll hurt you. Here's some things over here that will harm you. Here's some things that will kill you. Avoid those things. It's kind of like a trellis or a, I, I've got this picture I think of a tomato plant. Do y'all have that picture in there? You know, when you raise, anybody the gardening grow tomatoes or anything? a few of you. I tried to, I tried to have a garden one time and everything died. Um, And uh, anyway, that was a long time ago, but uh, I got some Roundup because it was all overgrown. I I killed it so that I could tear it out. Um, And I got the kind of Roundup that you just put on the hose and I forgot to turn the hose off. And I was just walking through the yard like this I was in college. I was a young man. It was my parents' yard. It wasn't my yard. Um, but I've never tried to grow anything in a garden since then. But here's the thing. Tomato plants, if you go to, you know, you can go to Lowe's or you can go to a nursery and you'll see tomato plants and they, they have a, a stake in the middle of the tomato plant because the tomato plant has to grow up. It can't just flop out on the ground there's or, or a trellis it has to grow up a trellis if if the tomato plant doesn't grow up the trellis then it just falls on the ground then when it's on the ground bugs come and slugs come and they eat the tomatoes they eat the fruit it gets rotten they're on the ground and it, and it, it it's no good it, it's it dies and discipline is kind of like that it's, it's providing a trellis It's providing a framework and then directing our children. That's why scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's providing a a framework for their life. That's what discipline is all about. Ephesians also says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath because... Discipline is not just criticism. I think we have all experienced bad discipline before in our life That was just you blew it. You messed up. Can't believe you did that. That's not helpful That's that's not discipline. That's criticism. We're not called to criticize our children We're called to discipline our children That's to help them grow in the way God has designed them to grow and that means we need to call out error, but we need to encourage them in the truth as well. Sometimes kids act like kids because they're kids. I, I have a friend, I, uh, kind of a, a ministry mentor, and I, I remember uh, early on in my parenting life he, he said, you know, I made a lot of mistakes when I was raising my kids. He said, I, I remember distinctly a time where I was driving the car and my son and daughter were in the back seat and they were driving me crazy. And I said, stop it. You're acting like children. And they just started to laugh because they're children. And that's what children act like. And that doesn't mean we let our kids get away with nonsense and just say, oh, they're young. But it means that correction is helping them to grow into the people that God has designed them to be. Not just making sure they don't get on our nerves. Because sometimes kids are going to get on your nerves. They're going to do things that, that annoy you it's not sin it's just you know sometimes my kids are just too happy for me (laughs) right stop laughing stop playing that's my sin that's not their sin right I mean I'm having a bad day that's not their problem because they're having fun together Well, I know it's about to turn into a fight. Yeah, but really get yourself together, man. So discipline is not just about criticizing and calling out. Discipline is helping our kids to grow. It means we have to point out error for sure. And sometimes we don't want to point out error because it's not that big a deal. I saw, I think I do have this on the screen. I saw this. A cartoon somewhere and it's this daddy dog talking to the baby dog and he says, cute is whatever you can get away with. <laughs> right? Oh look, he ate my shoe. Oh. No! He's not supposed to eat your shoe. And sometimes we let our kids get away with some stuff and we laugh about it and that's not helpful either. Right? We can't just criticize and and over Correct things that don't really need correction but we also can't ignore sin because here's the thing about sin you can put a leash on it but one day it'll grow up and eat your face off <laughs> like there's, there's, there's stories you, there's stories of people who like raised baby chimpanzees at their house and one day the chimpanzee got big and it got mad And all of a sudden, it wasn't so cute anymore. Right? A baby lion grows up to be a big lion. And it's dangerous. And sometimes we say, oh, it's no big deal. They're just young. They're just sowing their wild oats. We got to correct that stuff. Because one day it'll grow up and it'll hurt them. So we teach our children to love the Lord with all their heart. We discipline our children in the Lord. Samuel said, look, there's some stuff that you need to get, get rid of. It's great that you've turned your heart to the Lord, but, but in order to do that, you've got to get rid of these idols. It talks about Ashtoreths and Baals. These were idols. These were foreign idols of, of other nations, and Israel was worshiping these foreign gods, and Samuel said, you got to get rid of that stuff, and they did in order to follow the Lord. Verse 5 tells us this, Samuel uh, said, gather Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. When they gathered at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence. They fasted that day and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the Israelites at Mizpah. That phrase, Samuel judged the Israelites, it doesn't mean that he judged them in the sense of pronouncing judgment, it's there was maybe some of that where it was needed, but that's a a statement of leadership Samuel was the judge of Israel, he was the leader of Israel and sometimes that takes discipline and correction but we need to lead our children Samuel led the nation of Israel and, and we need to lead as well This statement that he judged Israel was a statement of of leadership. In fact, Samuel was the most effective judge leader of Israel up to that point. There had been other judges. You might know some names like Samson. Remember Samson, the strong guy with the long hair? He was a judge of Israel. Uh, he He was a flawed individual. God used him in the end, but he made a lot of mistakes. But he's famous and he was strong and he had long hair. And we know stories about Samson. There was another judge named Gideon. Gideon was a pretty good guy. God led him with just a handful of men to take on an entire army. And you may remember the stories of Gideon. There were another kind of tag team judges, Barak and Deborah. And they led a, a great conquest of the enemies of God. They were powerful judges and had these great victories, but that's not what Samuel's leadership looked like. Samuel didn't lead anybody into battle. And maybe sometimes we have this idea of what leadership looks like, and we say, well, I'm not that kind of guy. I, you know, I'm not like that type A personality, that super macho leader guy. That's not who I am. And I I just want to encourage you this morning that that has nothing to do with leadership. Samuel was the most effective leader, judge of Israel, but he didn't look like Samson and he didn't look like Gideon. He wasn't this macho military leader. But he was faithful and consistent. He called the nation of Israel to love God and to put away sin This also tells us that Samuel called the nation of Israel to a specific place. Verse 5, he says, go gather at Mizpah. Mizpah is a specific place. It's mentioned in Genesis 31, verses 44 through 49. And it goes back to a story. There was a guy named Jacob who was the son of Isaac. Jacob had a brother named Esau. And Jacob stole his brother's birthright. And when his brother found out, out he didn't want to get killed by his brother. So he ran away uh, to a relative far away named Laban. And Laban had two daughters. And Jacob wanted to marry one of the daughters. And Laban said, okay, but you got to work for me for seven years. And so Jacob worked for seven years. And the guy said, you can marry my daughter now, but not the one you want, the other one. And Jacob said, oh, come on, man. He goes, well, work another seven years. So he does, he works another seven years. And now he's got two wives, Leah and Rachel. I mean, it's a messed up story. And then Jacob, uh, he starts to have kids and, and he's raising the sheep. And one day he decides he's getting away from Laban. He's sick of this guy. And so in the middle of the night, he takes off and he takes all of his family and all the sheep. And Laban's mad. And Laban wants to go track him down and kill him. Right, and you think your family's messed up. So Laban goes and he chases Jacob down and God appears to Laban that night and he says, hey, don't you touch him. (laughs) I'm God, don't mess with him. So the next day, Laban comes to Jacob and says, hey, if it wasn't for God appearing to be last night, you would be in a lot of trouble. But why did you take my daughters and my grandkids away? You didn't even let me kiss them goodbye, Jacob. And Jacob was like, well, I thought you wouldn't let him go. And they make a deal laban says okay let's reconcile let's not leave this bridge burned and so they set up these stones and they said this place is going to be called mizpah means watchtower and god will watch between you and me and while we are away god will watch between us but what's important is that this is a place of reconciliation where laban and jacob reconciled to one another. They didn't leave the bridge burned. So here's all I'm going to say about this. I've gone on a long time about this kind of side note. But there's some of us in this room, dads, leaders, who need to reconcile some things in our life. If we're really going to lead our families, it needs to be from a place of reconciliation. There's some hurt and some pain in our life Maybe the way we were raised, and so we're passing those same, that same baggage on to our kids. Maybe some hurt that we've experienced, and we're pointing fingers and laying blame. And, and Samuel reminds us that leadership needs to take place from this place of reconciliation, this place called Mizpah. And maybe this morning as you think about leading a family, as you think about leading others, as you think about your own life, leading yourself spiritually, there's some things that you need to deal with that you need to get reconciled in order to properly lead. And your leadership might not look like Samson or Gideon or some, somebody else that you look like. and say, now that's, that's the kind of guy I want to be. Well, just be the guy God created you to be. Ask the Lord to help you, to strengthen you, to help you break cycles that you need to break, to break bondage and, and walls down that you need to break down. Don't pass your hurts onto your kids. Let God deal with those things. Samuel led Israel to love the Lord, to put away sin. He led them from a place of reconciliation. And then he said this in verse five, gather all Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. You know why Samuel was a great leader? Because he prayed for Israel. That was his greatest strength. And dads, the greatest thing you can do for your kids is to pray for them. Because you're gonna mess up sometimes, a lot. But God is a perfect father. Pray that God would help you in your shortcomings and help your kids see beyond your shortcomings. Pray for your children. Samuel's greatest strength was his prayer life. He didn't lead like Samson. He didn't lead like Gideon. Praise God, he didn't lead like them. He prayed for the nation of Israel. Here's the great thing about prayer. The needier you are, The better equipped you are for prayer (laughs) because God meets us in those places of need and he answers and he responds and he longs to respond and I want to encourage you to pray I've got a here on the screen dads pull out your phones if you have your phone with you there's a little QR code this is just a helpful little tool um, it's from the YouVersion Bible app. It's a, it's a reading guide. It's called Becoming a Praying Father. It's eight days. And I would just encourage you this week um, to, to use this. It goes through some scripture and has a little devotional and then a little prayer guide to help you pray for your kids. And this is a great tool for you to use even this week to pray for your kids. Here's something else. Um... A lot of us pray for our kids, and that's good. I I pray for uh, my kids at nighttime, especially I still tuck my boys into bed, and so I pray for them when I put them down. But I I read something this week that was encouraging for me, and that's praying specifically for your kids, asking them, how can I pray for you? Now, when you ask a six-year-old how I can pray for you, you never know what they're going to say but whatever they say pray for that thing or or help them understand what that means and then it gives you an opportunity later to say hey i prayed for you this week about the big kickball game on thursday well i don't know whatever whatever their prayer request is how did it go and and if you grow in that habit as your kids are young when they become teenagers and you can ask them hey how can i be praying for you this week and there's some real stuff that they're dealing with and they can share those things with you and you can pray for them and you can say hey how did it go with your friend this week how did it go with this thing you're dealing with this week pray for your kids pray specifically for your kids and then let your kids see you pray uh, when it's time to pray for the meal don't make somebody else do it do it, uh, it if, if you're uncomfortable praying publicly it's okay but pray in front of your kids let them see you pray fathers pray for your children i'm going to go through these last things quick because i i know i'm going a little long today but we teach our kids to love the lord with all their heart we teach them to put away sin to discipline them we lead them we we lead our children we lead ourselves we 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 pray for them. And and here's the last few things. Verse 7 tells us that when Israel was gathered at Mizpah, that the Philistines said, oh, all the Israelites are gathered in one place. Let's go attack them. And so they came to attack. And Israel said in verse 8, don't stop crying out to the Lord for us, Samuel, so that he will save us from the Philistines. And Samuel said, okay, you go fight the battle and I'll stay here and I'll pray for you. Samuel didn't lead them into battle. He stayed in Mizpah praying for them. And there comes a point in our kids' lives where they have to fight their own battles. And we have to let them do it. Fathers, let your kids fight their own battles. We teach them, we discipline them, we pray for them, and then we trust them to God's hand. And we trust that God will lead them, that He will supply for them. It's God's design. But Samuel didn't stop praying. He stayed there the whole time on his knees praying for Israel. And it tells us that that day God thundered against the Philistines. And he, he turned them against each other. And he gave Israel a great victory that day. We let our kids fight their own battles. But then we remind them of God's faithfulness. Samuel prayed for them God delivered them and in verse 12 it says afterwards Samuel took a stone and he set it upright between Mizpah and Shin he named it Ebenezer explaining the Lord has helped us up to this point so the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again Samuel prayed for them they went to fight against the Philistines God delivered them and Samuel said praise God for what he's done Let's set up a tower right here. We're going to call this Ebenezer, and it means God has blessed us up to this point. Teach your kids about God's faithfulness. Tell them stories of all that he's done in your life. It should go something like this. Did I ever tell you about the time? And if they say, yes, you've told me a hundred times. Well, let me tell you again how good God is, how faithful God is, how God supplied for us, how God delivered us, What? how How God helped me and your mom in early in our marriage when we didn't have anything and we didn't know how we would pay the bill and I forgot to pay the power and the electricity got turned off and mom got home and she couldn't open the garage and she called me and I was like, oh man, and God supplied the need. We all have stories. They're silly, they're little, but They're pictures of God's faithfulness, and we gotta tell those stories over and over and over and over again. Be that guy, right? Be that guy that tells the same story as long as it's a story of God's faithfulness, not about your golf game. They don't wanna hear that. Teach them about God's faithfulness. And you know what? Maybe you need to remind yourself about God's faithfulness. Maybe you you need to remember some of those stories from those early days of your life where God provided, where God saved your marriage, where God stepped in, where, where God delivered you from a dark season of your life so that one day you can tell your kids about all that God has done. Fathers, remind your children of God's faithfulness. And then verse 15 says this, and I'll wrap up. Samuel judged Israel throughout his life your job is never done your job is never done looks different in different seasons Samuel judged Israel throughout his life and dads God has called you to be a dad that job never ends looks different for sure looks different in different seasons but we teach our kids to love the Lord with all their heart if we see areas that need to be corrected we gotta say something and help to give direction we lead we pray for them We let them fight their own battles while we're praying for them and then we remind them of God's faithfulness. Praise God for all that he's done. But our job never ends. And I'm so grateful that we have a father in heaven who doesn't throw us out of the family when we mess up. He is called the everlasting father. So dads, this morning we can lead, we have an example here in the life of Samuel. But more than that, we have the example of a perfect heavenly father who calls us to love him, who disciplines us in seasons when we need correction, who leads us beside still waters, who restores our souls. Scripture tells us that Jesus is praying for us even now. He ever lives to make intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. He empowers us to go out. He is always faithful. And He never gives up. This morning, I want to just encourage all the dads in here just pray pray for yourself pray for your own leadership that God would allow you to lead like this pray for the dads in this room some of you these these principles they apply in your own life right how you're leading yourself to know and follow God I want to pray, then we're going to sing. I think we're going to sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Uh, there's a verse in that song that says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, or something like that. That word Ebenezer, it it's, it's, uh, comes from this story where Samuel says, this is Ebenezer. This is where God has blessed us to. It's a, it's a story of God's faithfulness. Why don't you stand up with me? I'm going to pray, then we're going to sing. And as we sing, I I invite you to respond. If you're a dad and you want to come pray this morning for your own leadership, I I encourage you to do that. Maybe if you want to bring your kids down and pray with them, that would be a beautiful thing. Maybe there's some other special need in your life that you need prayer for. You come pray. I'll be down here in the front. I would love to pray with anybody who needs prayer this morning. Just come grab me by the hand and let me pray for you. Maybe some of you need to deal with that place, uh, that Mizpah place in your life. There's a place that needs to be reconciled, dealt with in your life. There's some hurt, some pain, some baggage that needs to be dealt with before you can continue to lead. And maybe you just want to deal with those things this morning. But as we sing, I invite you to respond however the Lord is leading you. God, help us to be obedient. God, help us to walk in faith, help us to go where you lead, knowing that you are faithful, that you have everything that we need, that you will supply. In Jesus' name, amen.